Uh, greetings in Jesus' name. I'm glad to be here this afternoon. Uh, for me, it is a joy whenever Paul invites me to get involved in something that he's doing. And uh, he hasn't told you I married his uh, elder sister. Uh, so we have many personal connections. <laughs> uh, praise the name of the Lord. The Margaret he talked about is his elder sister. We got married uh, 40 years ago. And 40 years ago next year. Amen. Um, I want to talk about fruitfulness as we endeavor to be useful wherever God has placed us. We endeavor to be fruit, we endeavor to be useful in our families, useful in our schools useful in our institutions, and useful to the nation. I want us to begin by just looking at a few scriptures in the New Testament. Let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 15, and we'll start from there. How many of you want to be fruitful? You see, these guys whom we admire in the Bible... There are two categories you find in each of those stories. Like last night, some of you may have been in the meeting where I was sharing on the Brothers of Joseph. Uh, how many of you attended that Brothers of Joseph sharing? All right. So on the one hand, you have Joseph, one person, and then you have, on the other side, 11 brothers. And we painted an interesting picture of those 11 brothers. Now, none of us wants to be part of the 11 brothers, although they are the majority, because they had so many failures. And yet, on the other side, you see Joseph, very fruitful, very fruitful. We're going to look at him again in this sharing today to see some of his secrets of fruitfulness and some of the things we may, you know, get from him. Now, when you look at the story of David, whom everybody knows about, uh, especially the story of Goliath, you forget David had brothers. And in his case, there were also elder brothers. Uh, he came from a family of apparently eight you know, men, eight boys. And he was the youngest of them. He had seven younger brothers, seven older brothers. And they all were part of Saul's army. And they were guys and strong. And, uh, you know, when he came to bring them some provisions, they asked him, why are you here? You, are, you, you, are, you, you have insolence in your heart. You've just come to see the action of fighting. Where have you left a few sheep, you know, in the jungle? Please go back. That's where you belong. And uh, he says, don't, we, don't I have a cause to be here? And the rest of it is the beautiful story we have of the way he confronted Goliath. Now, when we ask you which of those two groups you want to join, whether you want to join David in his, you know, uh, group, or you want to join David's brothers, most of you would say you want to join David's, you know, group. Uh, so we have, uh, in each of those stories, two camps or two categories. And all of us want to join the more fruitful one. So let's talk about fruit, fruitfulness uh, this evening. Amen. So turning to John chapter uh, 15, 
verse 1, the Lord Jesus speaking, and he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Say with me, much fruit. Much fruit. Oh, louder. Much fruit. All right? So you prove to be my disciples. So you will be my disciples. Now, from this short passage, we discover that fruitfulness... Okay, I jumped to verse 8. I think you guessed what, where I was reading. I read a few verses and then jumped to verse 8. Uh, from verse 8, we discover that fruitfulness brings glory to God. Now, which means... When we look at those guys like Joseph, who was bearing fruit, he was bringing glory to God. And then secondly, we discover that it is a proof that we are disciples. Now, I am a grandfather. I have four grandchildren. And uh, what keeps grandfathers and grandmothers going is looking at the grandchildren. When you spend a few hours with them, uh, you, you know, they, they seem to pump life into you and you have a, a glorious day. Somebody say amen. amen. You discover this in uh, 30, 40 years' time. Uh, some of you, it's not 30, 40, grandchildren, you discover it in 40, 50 years' time. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Now, one of our daughters, since we started a family What's up? Every few developments which take place in the baby, she posts, the, posts it, you know, for her family to see. When the child began to take the first steps, you know, falling and so on, everything was on WhatsApp. And we just enjoyed seeing those, you know, little videos. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. A mother is always looking for signs of growth in the baby. And if the baby is born and remains okay alive, but silent all the time, the mother gets worried. You want to start seeing a smile on the face. You want to begin seeing the hand stretching out. You want to see something showing signs of growth. And as the baby grows and begins to mention a few letters, begins to call mama or something like that, there is a lot of excitement in your heart. Now, our Heavenly Father is glorified when we bear fruit, but it's also a proof that we are proper disciples. He also checks for signs of growth and fruitfulness. The first day after you have come to the Lord 
after, after you have prayed the sinner's prayer, if I can call it that, and the Lord sees you talking to your friend, saying, you know, last week, I gave my life to the Lord. And it has brought so much joy in my heart. Now, God in heaven looks down and says, Hi, look at that, what is happening with my child. After one week of salvation, he's beginning to tell his friends about his faith and how it has brought joy in his heart. And then the other person asks you, What happened? How did this take place? And then you go on to tell the story that so-and-so was sharing with us the word of God. And I just felt a conviction in my heart. There is something I need to put right with God. And he told me that you can open your heart and invite Jesus Christ to come in. And I did that. And Jesus came in. And now I'm a child of God. Oh, can I do the same? Yes, you can do the same. And then you lead that person in prayer to receive salvation also. In heaven, God gets up. I don't know how he expresses his joy, but for us human beings, you jump around, you dance a little bit, and so on. I imagine God does the same because he sees his child is making development. I want to ask you, have you made God's heart glad by showing that you're growing in the faith? Or have you been like that baby who keeps still week after week and you start wondering what is going wrong with my baby. So what is your answer? Have you made God's heart glad? Okay, a few, a few have said yes. I don't want to check out which faces uh, because some of you might end up telling me lies uh, just to appear uh, nice before everybody else. Praise God. Now, bearing fruit brings glory to God, but also bearing fruit is a sign or a proof of the fact that we're growing in our discipleship. But I want us to go back to verse 1 and 2. The Lord Jesus says he's the true vine, and he says his father is the vine dresser. The one who tends, who looks after the vines. Now, I want you to realize something. The vine dresser, dressing is not putting on clothes. Dressing is cutting off unnecessary things. Now, which means he has a tool in his hands. That tool is sharp. That tool is for cutting. Praise the name of the Lord. I want you to say with me, our heavenly father, has a knife, a sharp knife in his hand. Now, if you didn't know that, you had better learn it. Our Heavenly Father has a sharp knife in his hand. I don't know what the knife looks like, but it is sharp. And it is God-sized. If it was my size, it would be small. But his is God-sized. If he's this big, the knife is big. And it is for doing two jobs. The first job is given in verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Meaning, he gets the knife and cuts it off. Now, normally when we're reading these words, 
they sound very plain, very simple. It's because we don't take God's word seriously. A few weeks ago, I was reading this passage, and I was hit. I said, Lord, if it is a sharp panga, and it is for cutting, what does it actually mean when it comes to the life of a believer? Because the Bible is saying, he takes away. And afterwards, it says, such branches are cut, and they're thrown in the fire. Now, the Lord is not like the way human beings talk. When I threaten, saying, if you get in here, I'll kill you. And then you come in, and I say, please, don't come in. Um, I really don't want you to come in here. And, you know, I can't kill you because I was just threatening. <laughs> Are you getting me? The Lord is not like that. He says what he means, and he means what he says. So I said, Lord, what did you mean by taking away? Or cutting off. I began to imagine things like early death. Did you hear me? There is a story told in the Bible, in the book of Luke, how the servant working in the garden pleaded with the owner of the garden who came checking on fruitfulness on the trees in the garden. And there is a particular one which they had looked after for several years and every year there was no fruit. So the owner of the garden said, let's cut this one down. Now it had branches, it had leaves, it looked okay, but there was no fruit year after year. Now, when the master said, let's cut it down, the servant, the worker, pleaded with the owner, saying, please, let's give it one more year. Say with me, one more year. Let me dig around it. Let's put manure around it. Let's water it. Let's take special attention and see if this one year it will bring fruit. If not, next year I will not plead. We can get the axe and cut it down. Amen. Now, this was not just a story. It was talking about human beings being those fruitful trees in the orchard. Are you getting me? Now, God means what he says, and he says what he means. I began wondering whether some of us are not about to experience that being cut off. Because it's in the, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible, and uh, we like reading the Bible and cutting out those verses which we don't like very much. Even if we don't cut them out using a scissor, a pair of scissors, somehow we just brush over them and just move on to other verses. So this took on a level of seriousness in my life. I realized if I'm not bearing fruit, I could be candidate for being cut off early so that I don't consume the resources God is reserving for the rest of the trees which are fruitful. And that is the job of his panga. I don't know exactly how it works out, but I want you to hide it in your heart. God is very serious, and he doesn't like fruitlessness. Praise the name of the Lord.
Amen. Listen to this. We belong to churches. And many of us sit on the church chairs and enjoy fellowship Sunday after Sunday, week after week. God is not impressed by large numbers. God looks and checks those who are fruitful. And those who are fruitful, he cherishes in his heart. If the majority of the church are fruitless, but they just contribute to, this, to the statistics of the church, saying this is a powerful church, this is a mega church, it may impress the people watching, but it doesn't impress God. God looks for fruitfulness. Praise God. Now, this knife does not only work on those who are fruitful, sorry, fruitless. It also works on those who are fruitful. It says that those who bear fruit, he prunes that they may bear more fruit. How many of you understand pruning? Now, when you pass through an orchard, a place with many fruit trees, you find after some time that they have overgrown, you know, with the, the leaves and the branches are long, and the whole place looks like a jungle. It looks like a bush. It looks like a forest. Now, when the person is pruning, passes through and spends a week there, you find there is a lot of, you know, opening, you know, in the areas which were dense because he has cut off some unnecessary branches. He has cut off unnecessary growths, and the place looks open now. Now, it looks pruned, and the trees look trim. They don't have those extra things. It is like when you're running, and you have a lot of things you're wearing, like a suit. You cannot make it to the finishing line. It is too heavy. So if it was running, he would come and remove all these clothes, remove even the shirts, remove the ties, and just leave you with a vest and some nice pants. And remove heavy boots and put on very light, you know, very light shoes so that you can run very fast. Now, pruning does that in our lives. God removes all those extra growths which are useless for fruitfulness so that you remain trim and able to bear much fruit. I think some of us are too heavy for fruitfulness. Say this with me. I think some of us are too heavy for fruitfulness. <laughs> We need to get pruned. We need to get trimmed so that we can bear proper fruit. Praise the name of the Lord. So God does that in our lives also. He cuts off things which waste our time. Now there are some things which are not necessarily sinful in terms of breaking the Ten Commandments. But they wasted too much time. Did you hear me? I don't want to mention any of them because I don't want to make enemies here. The Holy Spirit is faithful. He will speak to you and tell you what it is that God wants to cut off. I am a preacher. I'm a minister of the gospel. But I'm not the one to tell you what to cut off and so on. Many of the things which take five hours, you only need to spend 30 minutes there and get the right, you know, whatever you need from there. Leave the other four hours for more useful, you know, purposes. Praise the name of the Lord. Somebody say, Amen. A strong one. Amen. Fruitfulness. He trims off so that we might, he prunes so that we may bear more fruit. 
Now, biblical fruitfulness is a result of a number of things. Now, we'll look at that same passage, the verses which I didn't look at, between verse 3 and verse 8. And we'll pick out a few points. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, here we get the first point which the Lord gives to us about how to become fruitful. He says we need to abide in him. To dig our roots into his being, into him. To dig in him so that we can receive the nutrients abiding in him. Now, this means we need to build our relationship with him. Abiding means a very strong relationship between us and the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, number one, how do we become fruitful? Abiding in the vine, remaining rooted in Christ. Now look at the next few verses. Verse 6. If anyone, I think we didn't read verse 5. I'm the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, looking at verse 7, we get the next source of fruitfulness. Abiding in his word. So, number one, abiding in him. Number two, his word. Now, which means, if we don't read and study the word of God, we cannot bear fruit. His word helps us to be fruitful. He who abides in his word bears fruit. So we abide in Christ by reading, studying, and meditating on God's word. That will bring fruitfulness in our lives. Now, there is a scripture which many of you know from Joshua chapter 1, and verse 8. I'll just quote it and we'll just read through it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, just to 
at least put a reference to this studying and reading and meditating on God's word. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you make your way prosperous, and then you have good success. So the word of God is number two. Now, number three. We maintain fruitfulness by living righteously. We maintain fruitfulness by living righteously. This time I want us to go to Psalms 1. Psalm 1 and verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now here we see prosperity, which is another word for fruitfulness or success. And he gives a good number of points on how we can bear fruit and how we can be successful and prosperous. Now he says that you don't walk with the people. You don't walk with the, the, in the counsel of the ungodly. Not standing in the path of sinners. Not sitting in the seat of the scornful. But your delight is in the law of the Lord, which we have already seen. And in his law you meditate day and night. And this makes you like a tree which is planted by the rivers and it brings forth fruit in its season. So number three is living in righteousness. And then we'll add on a few quick points from this verse that you don't maintain wrong companionship. You don't keep wrong friends. Now this is the biggest problem many of us have especially when we're younger. Because when you're in a place like a school, you want to be part of the larger company. And there is what we call peer pressure. If you give in to peer pressure, you cannot be fruitful according to this. Because he talks about sitting in the seat of those who are scornful and those who are ungodly and so on. Walking not in the council of the ungodly, not sitting standing in the path of the sinners <clears throat> and not sitting in the seat of the scornful. And all of this is talking about wrong guys being in your group. All right. Now, everything we have seen up until now, I believe you've sat in some church or some fellowship and somebody has shared with you some of these points. And it may have just been revision. 
I want to take our sharing to another level. Say with me, another level. Because the reason why we came together in Inspire is not to be at the level of the ordinary. We want to get inspired to go to higher levels of fruitfulness. Everything I've said up until now is basic stuff for every believer. That we need to be rooted in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be daily in his word. We need to live righteously. And we need to keep away from wrong company so that we may bear much fruit and so prove to be his disciples and bring glory to God. But there is another level. We want to look at the character of this guy called Joseph, whom I began to comment on yesterday when we were talking about Joseph's brothers. But this time we want to connect it to the subject of fruitfulness. Joseph is like a textbook on fruitfulness. And we shall be looking at the time when his dad was blessing all his sons in Genesis chapter 49. And you look at the way his dad blessed him. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 49. Fruitfulness at another level. If you have already been fruitful, I am saying let this inspire conference be the turning point for you to move from the ordinary level to the higher level. Verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful bough. A fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. The archers have bitterly grieved him, shot at him, and hated him. But his bow remained in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong. By the hands of the mighty God of Jacob, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your father who will help you, and by the Almighty who bless you, with the blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lie beneath, blessings of the breast and of the womb, blessings of your father have excelled the blessings of my ancestors, up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. They shall be on the head of Joseph, and on the crown of the head of him, who was separate from his brothers. Now, this is talking about Joseph and the blessing of his father upon him. But he's showing that among all the children of Jacob, he was the most fruitful. Praise God. Now, Joseph lived in two levels of fruitfulness. When he was in the land of Canaan, before his brothers sold him into Egypt, he was already fruitful. And when he came into the land of Egypt, he lived as a slave, and then afterwards was put in prison. The details of those stories you know very well. 
and I don't want to take time, you know, going through them again. He began by working in Potiphar's house. Now, I like filling in between the gaps there, trying to show what happened when Joseph came into Potiphar's house. Because the Bible says that Potiphar concluded he was being blessed in every area. Every department of his family was receiving blessing because of the young slave who had joined them in the home. How many of you know chickens which lay two eggs per day? Have you ever come across, or oh, you live in the city, you are born in the city, you, don't, you only see the eggs, you don't know where they are laid. <laughs> now, eggs are laid by chickens. And normally, chickens lay one egg per day. But we used to look after chickens. By the way, we still look after chickens, except not very seriously these days. But we have about 20 chickens in our compound. Some of you think that is very serious, but one time we looked after a thousand birds, <laughs> you know, and uh, we used to quite enjoy it here in the city. Now, when chickens begin laying eggs, some of them lay two eggs per day, lays one in the morning and another one in the afternoon. And when I began to imagine what was happening with Joseph in the home of Potiphar, it appears to me the chickens used to lay one egg per day. But when Joseph appeared in the home, suddenly a miracle began to take place. <laughs> the eggs were laying two eggs per day. Now, don't tell anybody that it's in the Bible. I'm just <laughs> doing my meditation. I'm trying to imagine what happened because the Bible just gives us a summary that was fruitful in Potiphar's house. So Potiphar sits at the breakfast table. He used to get omelets which were rather thin. And now he begins to get fat omelets. How many of you enjoy omelets? Okay. <laughs> when I became older, I began to cut down on a few of those items. Uh, so when you come home, I'll give you all the eggs we have in the home and you can enjoy yourself on big fat omelets. So Potiphar asks his wife, what is going on? This day's breakfast is big. And the wife says, we are also overwhelmed. Since this young man came into the home, the chickens are laying two eggs per day. <laughs> he says, what is going on? Because even in the compound, the chicks are everywhere. Yes, these days they are hatching out all the eggs. And everything is thriving. Potiphar says, what is going on? He calls Joseph, and they chat a little bit. And he tells him, I'm a Hebrew. I was sold into this country as a slave, but really I had done nothing wrong. God's hand is upon my life. That is why God's blessing is still with me, in spite of being a slave. And Potiphar keeps that on his heart. But in the meantime, he's enjoying the many eggs and he's enjoying the many chickens. Praise the name of the Lord. I call this fruitfulness level one. Now, why am I calling it level one and yet the chickens are laying two eggs per day? It is fruitfulness in spite of being a slave. Fruitfulness in spite of enslavement. 
Now, eventually, Joseph gets in trouble with Mrs. Potiphar. The story has been told many times. I don't need to repeat it. And Joseph ends up in prison. Now, in prison, God does not stop the blessing upon his life. It continues unhindered. And in spite of imprisonment, Joseph continues to be fruitful. So we are talking of fruitfulness at another level. Most of us are always complaining. You're complaining, I come from a poor home. I come from a poor, you know, social background. My education is not as good as the other guy. Let me tell you, all of those complaints cannot stand when, you're when, you're st when you stand next to Joseph. Because with Joseph, he was a slave. He ended up in prison. But in spite of all of that, he was fruitful beyond measure. So with us, it could be fruitfulness in spite of whatever you want to feel in there. Fruitful in spite of a poor social background. Fruitful in spite of lower education. Fruitful in spite of being a Ugandan. You see, some people are always imagining they should have been born in Germany or somewhere. Let me tell you, you're wasting your time. God knew the best place for you to be born. And when you are here and in God, you can be fruitful in spite of what you think is negative. Fruitful in spite of. Amen. So that is Joseph. We see him fruitful in spite of being a slave, in spite of being in prison. But then the Bible tells us of what happened after he left the prison. And I want us to look at it and it will inspire you because this is an inspired conference. And turn to the book of Genesis. This time chapter 41 And from verse 46. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. Now, in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly. Say with me, abundantly. Now we're beginning to get adjectives and adverbs which are describing Joseph's fruitfulness when he hit the age of 30. And one of those is abundantly. The ground brought forth abundantly. It's describing the first of the seven years. All right? And it says in verse 47, now in the seven plentiful years, the ground brought forth abundantly, verse 48, so he gathered up all the food of the seven years, which were in the land of Egypt, and laid up the food in the cities. He laid up in every city the food of the fields which surrounded them, Joseph gathered very much grain. Say with me, very much grain. <laughs> As the sand of the sea, until he stopped counting. 
for it was immeasurable. Now, are you seeing the phrases which are being used here? You were on the level of fruitfulness in spite of enslavement and in spite of imprisonment. But now you're released from prison and you move to another level. Say with me, another level. Now, I am praying that this week of Inspire will release you from whatever enslavement you've been in and whatever imprisonment you've been experiencing so that you move on to that other level. The next level of bearing, much fruit. And here it was in terms of much grain. And what are the words used to describe it? It is as the sand of the sea. Can you count the sand of the sea? No. Which means, before this, your fruitfulness could be measured. But now when the Lord takes you to another level, your fruitfulness is beyond measure. And the words being used here are, as the sand of the sea, until he stopped counting, for it was immeasurable. May the Lord bless you with fruitfulness, which is immeasurable. This is what I'm calling fruitfulness at another level. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, some of you are already saying, well, these are Bible stories, and uh, when we think of Joseph, can we ever reach that kind of level? Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, a miracle took place in my life when I began to realize these are not just Bible stories. These are examples of men and women who have run the race before us as an example which we can also emulate. And in actual fact, the Bible says they are there waiting for us to run our portion of the race so that on one grand prize-giving day, all of us will stand lined up to receive our prizes. I always imagine myself standing here. Daniel is ahead of me there. There is David there. There is Abraham at the top of the, uh, at the head of the line. And all of us are lined up there to receive our prizes. I want you to join that line. Praise God. It is one line that we shall have people like Moses, people like Daniel, people like D David, people like Goliath, not Goliath, the guy who killed him, David. People like, uh, you know, all of these will be lining up. And behind them we shall also be lining up. Brother Laban will be here, Brother Paul will be here, and so on. And they will be calling our names and we come forwards, possibly giving a testimony first. Daniel says, for me, I was thrown in the den of lions. And the lions just came and smelled me and moved around a little bit until daybreak. And in the morning, I heard the voice of the king shouting, Daniel, servant of the living God. I said, Amen, I'm here. Praise the name of the Lord. Ask somebody, what testimony will you be giving? of the exploits accomplished through your life in our generation. I think let's look at that scripture before I forget it and we shall go on with the fruitfulness level two. Just turn to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Just comment on it. I believe it will inspire you. 
to be even more fruitful. The whole chapter, but I'll be, you know, just mentioning a few verses so that you get the picture again. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered Isaac. Say with me, by faith. Verse 20. By faith, Isaac. Verse 21. By faith, Jacob. Verse 22. By faith, Joseph. Verse 23. By faith, Moses. Verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Just jump and move on to verse 39. And all of these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. Now, I'll stop there briefly so that you don't misunderstand this. The Bible is saying all of that long list we've read of Barak and Samuel and David and so on, they run their portion of the rest, but it says they didn't receive the promise. Now, the promise we're talking about is not the things they expected at that time. Because the things they expected at that time, like the children, the ch a child being raised back to life, the child was actually raised back to life. Those were, you know, put in prison. God rescued them and things like that. Those were thrown in the lion's den. The lions didn't eat them up. So they received those immediate promises. Are you getting it? But there is a prize which you receive at the end of the race. And that is the one being talked about. Have you understood me now? So after running the race, Daniel has not yet received his prize. Like you've had World Cup and so on, and there is pr the prize giving that at the end of the, you know, at the end of the games. So that prize is not yet received. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, why is it not yet received? The reason is God has organized one grand prize giving day. At the end of the age, when all of us have run our races. So our brethren who have run earlier, like Moses and Elijah and David and Joseph, they received the immediate promises of the miracles they were praying for. But the grand prize they have not got yet. I think you've understood now. Why is this so? Let's read in the Bible. He says, at the end of verse 11, verse 40, verse 40, God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect without us. Oh, you haven't understood it. 
<laughs> you haven't understood it. God is saying he didn't want to organize a praise giving day for them. And then another one for us. He's waiting to have a praise giving day for all of us together. Praise God. Meaning, Abraham will be there, Moses there, Joseph there, Daniel there, Laban there, Paul there. Put your name. Please don't put your name if you're not running the rest. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Now, this is what we're talking about. Which means the rest these guys run in the Bible is the same race we're running today. And it cannot be that those people were angels. Daniel was not an angel. Moses was not an angel. The Bible says about Elijah that he had the same nature like all of us. Which means we're exactly the same nature. All of them are like us. Which means the miracles God did in the Bible days, he wants to do them in our lives. So that when we stand to give our testimonies of fruitfulness, the testimonies will be very similar to the testimonies of Daniel, the testimonies of David, the testimonies of Moses, and all the other guys of the Bible. Praise the name of the Lord. Let me begin to bring my sharing to a conclusion. And I want to bring in some testimonies here. This level of fruitfulness does not come by power, nor by might, but by the Holy Spirit, says the Lord. There is something miraculous about fruitfulness, the level I'm talking about. God comes in to help us beyond human levels. People come to me and they tell me, Laban, how are you able to accomplish this and this and this and this? And I tell them, not by power, not by might, but by the Holy Spirit, says the Lord. The level of fruitfulness I'm talking about, you have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit so that it takes you from the human level which can be competed with by all the others who have the same academic qualifications and the same financial resources and the same opportunities in life. The level I'm talking about, even if you have the same resources like I have in terms of finances, in terms of opportunities in life, in terms of the right connections in society, in terms of the academic achievements and academic qualifications and so on, the level I'm talking about, even if you have the same with me, you'll be wasting your time. Or oh, did you hear me? You'll be wasting your time to compete with me. Because I have an extra ingredient which the people of the world don't have. Not by power, not by might, but by the Holy Spirit, says the Lord. The Lord puts in something extra. When you look in the Bible, you find passages like Joshua marched the whole night from Gilgal to attack five armies. That's in Joshua chapter 10. You can read it later. He comes after marching the whole night. How many hours? Twelve hours the whole night. Then they fight the whole day. And near the end of the day, Joshua realizes the sun is going down and they have not had enough time to fight against their enemies, to finish all of them. He stands in the valley. 
he commanded the sun to stand still and the moon not to move. And the Bible says it stood still for almost a whole day, meaning another 12 hours, well, almost, meaning 11 hours and something. So how many hours now? 12 hours marching through the night, 12 hours fighting through the day, another, you know, almost 36 hours. How can you sustain that kind of thing with a physical body like this? Have you understood me? Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Gideon had an army of 300 men. He first had several tens of thousands. God said, those are too many for me to use. They will boast that they use their strength to fight. Reduce them. They were reduced by several tens of thousands. But there were still very many. God said there are still too many. Bring them to the water and I will test them for you. And he chose 300 men only. They fought against an army of the Midianites, which was many thousands. The Bible talks of the whole countryside being covered by the Midianites. Too many of them. They fought them through the day. And the Bible says at the end of that story that they were very tired, the 300, but they were still pursuing. This is not human. Tell somebody, this is not human. There is a level where you can plug into the Holy Spirit and you begin using resources which are not human. This is what I'm talking about. And I'm praying that the Lord would begin to do something powerful in your life so that you go beyond the human level and plug into the Holy Spirit and begin to produce fruitfulness which nobody can describe in human terms. Let me give you a few testimonies. One time we went for a burial in Iksoro. And after the burial, we wanted to travel back the following day because the distance is, you know, quite big. But the person who was driving as a young man called Joshua, he said, it's okay, I'll drive in the night. We said, no, we don't want to travel in the night. He persisted and he drove us through the night. So by six o'clock in the morning, we're arriving in Kampala. I had something to do back in Masaka. Although we passed by, I couldn't stop in the middle of the night. And when I thought about it, I felt, no, I don't want to postpone this. I'll go back. So after sleeping until 10 o'clock, I prayed and went for public transport. I wasn't driving. I went for public transport. Did my business in Masaka and got in the public transport, came back to Kampala. After the night of traveling through the night, now, when I reached a place, I think it's called Chaba Daza. Some of you know those places on Massacre Road. I felt the Lord was saying I could conclude a certain business I had in Kereka when I arrived back in Kampala. So I talked to the taxi driver who was seated in front. It was one of these uh, 30-seaters, Costa. All of them are called Costas, even those which are another make, Costa. <laughs> so I talked to the driver. I said, is there a way I could use Northern Bypass if you drop me in uh, Natete? He said, yes, there is a park in Natete. I hadn't known that park at that time. And there are taxis which use the Northern Bypass. I'll show them to you. So he dropped me there, got into the Northern Bypass, and was in Kereka within a short time. Did my business, went back home, concluded the episode of almost how many hours? 
traveling through the night, then during the course of the day, did all my work and concluded it. Tell somebody, don't try such experiences unless the Holy Spirit with you, is with you because you drop down dead. Praise the name of the Lord. One time, I was invited by a pastor in Jinja for a meeting. Actually, it was that, that same time. Because the appointment was interrupted by that burial in Kisoro. So I rang him and I said, please, we've lost somebody. I cannot come for this meeting on Wednesday. He asked me, can we postpone it to next Wednesday? He's, I said, yes. Next Wednesday it will be okay. I had forgotten I had another appointment in Ruero that following Wednesday. And it was that day conference. Speaking in two meetings in the morning and in the session in the afternoon. So the holder was engaged. So when I discovered I had two appointments on the same day, I picked my phone to call Ginger. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me very clear. You can, you can manage both. I said, manage both? The word was very clear. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. Many times by a thought coming to you stronger and you know God has spoken to me. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right? So I was picking up the phone to call and the Holy Spirit said, you can handle both. I said, eh? Now you know what came to me? Was Philip Airlines. How many of you know Philip Airlines? You remember the guy who was preaching in, uh, on uh, uh, the Gaza Road. And after concluding his witness to the Ethiopian eunuch, the Holy Spirit airlifted him and was found in Azotus. So I said, maybe God is planning Philip Airlines to airlift me from Luero to Ginger. Now the meeting in Ginger was starting at 5 o'clock. It was an evening meeting. The meeting in Luero was the whole day. But you know, traveling from Luero back to Kampala and then to Ginger, is not a simple matter. So I said, look, what is God going to do? I don't want to miss the experience of Philip Airlines. So I preached in Luero, two sessions in the morning. Then we came to lunchtime. I was anxious a bit, wondering what will happen. I didn't tell the people in Luero that I had another appointment in Ginger because they would think me crazy. And I didn't tell <laughs> the pastor in Ginger, I am in well the whole day. Because God had told me you could handle both. So that was my secret with the Lord. I had only shared it with my wife. So she was praying. So we came to lunchtime, and I noticed they had allowed two whole hours for the lunch break. And the thought came to me, why don't we shorten it one hour? We start earlier. I give my talk earlier, and then I leave them with their discussions and whatever else. And they agreed. So I spoke in the afternoon, and I don't remember the time what, what it was when we ended. I got into the car, and that time I was alone. I got into the car and started driving back to Kampala. Now the ministry in Rue was very good. One of those meetings where you know God has visited us in a very special way. So I got into the vehicle. 
I started driving towards Kampala. Let me tell you, there was something miraculous about that journey. I didn't jump any, you know, any distance. And I didn't drive wrongly, you know, super <laughs> speeds. But I was singing all the way. There was the presence of God in that vehicle. I don't know what happened. I got into Kampala, used the northern bypass to Kereka, and drove to Jinja. And I was there for the meeting. I've given this testimony several times, and people told me they were in that meeting in Jinja. It was an exceptional meeting. Praise the name of the Lord. So I spoke in the meeting. Now, I had turned off my phone when I was preaching because I didn't want interruptions. When I ended the meeting, everybody was joyful. Again, there was the visitation of the Holy Spirit in the meeting. I got into the car, started driving back to Kampala. After crossing the bridge, I remembered my phone was off. So I turned it on when I was driving. And there was a sound that a message had come. So carefully I read the message. And it was from my wife saying, please, don't drive back to Kampala. You're too tired to make it. I was already enjoying myself and singing and rejoicing. I was not about to drive back <laughs> to Ginger. I got back home. Now let me tell you, don't try such, <laughs> such things unless the Holy Spirit is with you. You break down on the way. Especially when you are a little older than you are now. Like myself, a guy in 64. Praise the name of the Lord. Last year, in the month of August, I had a very exceptional experience. That month was the month when we launched one of my books. By the way, I understand my books are on the bookshelf, on the bookstore. Let me check on time. How are we doing? It's about an hour since I started talking. Praise God. The month of August. Let me just tell you what happened that month of August. Last year, just last year. I had two missions at the beginning of the month. I had a conference in, in Kigali, and I had a conference in Kenya. So one week I was in Kigali, another week I was in Kenya, and the first weekend we had a prayer retreat in Entebbe. I was returning from Kenya on the 16th. Now, in the month of July, the month before, we had requested the first lady to help us launch my book, Let Africa, My People Go. And she had given us the date of 19th August. Now, that date was wrong for me. But then you can't just tell the first lady, please change, because her program is more packed than mine. I'm the one to adjust mine. Praise God. So it meant I would come back from, from Kenya on the 16th, which was around a Thursday. And then the launch was Monday 19th. Are you following the story? You, you see, I remember these dates on my fingertips because that month was exceptionally miraculous. Praise God. Now, when it came to 18th, which was a Sunday, and I lived this kind of life, I had five different appointments that Sunday. I was preaching in two services in the morning, one in Luganda, one in English. 
Now, originally there were only four appointments, but the fifth was because I had forgotten another appointment. In the afternoon, we had a board meeting for intercessors for Uganda. And I'm the one who had requested them to move it from Saturday or any other day because I was too busy that period. I had only Sunday afternoon free. So they moved it to Sunday afternoon. Now, I forgot to record it in my diary. And I got an invitation from a pastor in Rubaga. He called me and he said, Papa, he's a younger pastor. He said, I'm making 40 years. And on Sunday, we're having a celebration. I want you to pray for me, to dedicate myself afresh to the Lord. And also in the ministry. I said, I'll be there. That was Sunday afternoon. Then afterwards, discovered I had the board meeting. So I said, now what do I do? I picked my phone. Then realized, look, I cannot disappoint this guy who called me Papa. <laughs> and now it is the last minute. Praise the name of the Lord. So I rang him and I told him, can you move the program so that I share the word and we pray with you at the beginning of the afternoon? And then you release me when you're going to cut, you know, cutting off the cake and so on. Because I have another appointment I had forgotten about. Praise God. So I went to Lubaga. We had a very beautiful meeting. Prayed for him. Dedicated him to the Lord. Then I drove to our board meeting. And then that evening, that Sunday evening of the 18th, the freshers were coming in at Chambogo University and I was speaking in the evening service. So those were the five appointments that day. Praise God. The following day, Monday, 19th, we launched the book with the first lady. And that evening, I went back to Chambogo for the second service of the freshers. That was Monday evening. Are you following the program? Okay. Now, I had an appointment in Zimbabwe for preaching in their conference. And I was traveling on Tuesday morning. So when I got back from Chambogo, I slept for one hour, packed my bags, and I was traveling with the two of my daughters. They were traveling to attend the conference, but also there was a wedding one week after the conference, and that family are family friends. We wanted to be there. Praise God. So I traveled with my, three with my two daughters. Two o'clock, we were driving to the airport for the five o'clock flight to Nairobi, and then Zimbabwe. Are you still together with me? Okay, so that is Tuesday morning. I ministered in the conference that whole week. And Saturday, I flew back. Because the wedding was the following Saturday. I didn't want to start whole week in Zimbabwe. I had too many appointments during that week. But we intended to fly back with my wife, who had not traveled with us with the daughters the following weekend so that we attend the wedding. So I flew back on Saturday night. It was a Saturday night flight. Landed in Entebbe Sunday morning. Picked my car. I had left it in long-term parking. These days I always leave my car at Entebbe long-term parking because it's too much driving back and forth to pick Laban who is always traveling to Nairobi to, you know, to Zimbabwe to Botswana and so on. Because the ministry has got us quite busy these days. Praise the name of the Lord. Are we still together? Now, there is a brother in the Lord who had invited me many times. And he's in a church in Kaboa. 
And I didn't see any free day in my program. The only Sunday I had free was that Sunday morning when I was returning from Zimbabwe. So I told him I could actually drive from the airport and uh, refresh myself a bit and come to the church. He said, okay, let's not miss the opportunity. So from the airport, I drove home, picked my wife, we drove to Kaboa, and that morning was powerfully blessed of God. We still remember that service with the pastor who invited me. It was a glorious meeting. Praise the name of the Lord. So that was the Sunday morning I returned. The details of that following week, we don't have time to share them in the testimony. And then Sunday, sorry, Saturday morning, we flew back into Zimbabwe, this time with my wife. We attended the wedding, and I thought that was the closing of the month because that Saturday was the 31st of August. It was a Saturday. That's the Saturday of the wedding. We tried to get flights on the same, you know, the same flight which our daughters were using to return. That was Sunday morning. That is 1st September. And we failed because they were all full. So we only got flights. We got, only got seats in the evening flight. Which meant I was there on Sunday morning together with my wife. And the brethren asked me if I could preach. Praise the name of the Lord. That Sunday morning was interesting. I was staying with my family, the two daughters and my wife, in a home of one of the doctors. He has a good guest wing, a full, fully furnished with the two bedrooms. So we were using those bedrooms. Now, because I had been there a week earlier, I had discovered a very good prayer place. This kind of schedule, you cannot maintain it unless you always wake up in the middle of the night to pray. And that is my lifestyle. Praise the name of the Lord. So I had discovered a place for prayer. You see, every guest house has a wardrobe. And those wardrobes I made the discovery some years back, they are always empty. Your wardrobe at home is full of clothes. But the guest houses, the wardrobes are empty. And there is a very powerful place for prayer. Praise the name of the Lord. So I had used it the week earlier. And now when I returned with my wife, after the wedding, I decided, since I'm preaching tomorrow, let me go into that prayer closet, brackets, wardrobe, and spend some time in prayer. Eventually, my wife told me that she had me praying. So I thought the noise was not coming out. But at least it doesn't go into the other rooms to disturb, disturb people. After only 20 minutes of prayer, the word came, prayer mountain. We had had the re wedding reception at their prayer mountain. And the word just came to me to preach about prayer mountain. When the Lord drops a single word in your heart, it comes with a thousand words along with it. It was a very clear message. Praise the name of the Lord. How are we doing with the time? It's already, already half past. Uh, how many more minutes do you? Who is the one in charge? I'm just left with this story, but this. Okay, is it okay? The story will take another five minutes. Is it, is it okay? All right, praise God. You need to hear what I preached. It, is, it was a powerful way God guided me. This family, he's a pastor. He lost his wife about three years ago. 
And now he was marrying again after two years. Now, the year of sickness of the wife was trauma for the church. The lady was like the mother in the church. And so after a year of sickness and then two years of her death, the church had experienced a lot of trauma. Are you getting me? And now the pastor was marrying again. Now, I don't want to go into details because these are personal things and I don't want to expose whatever might have been going on. But the church had gone through three years of trauma. Are you getting me? Now, God speaks to me, prayer mountain. At the prayer mountain, we had had the reception after the church service. And the place is beautiful. It has a very nice view. Many trees and beautiful buildings and a lot of grass area where the wedding had taken place. Now, they used a very beautiful Jaguar motor vehicle for the bridal car. I had never seen a Jaguar so beautiful. Praise God. So when the message came to me, I asked these people in the service, we were at the prayer mountain yesterday evening for the wedding reception. What did you see? Now, I reminded them of Moses and Elijah on the prayer mountain where Jesus was transfigured. There were Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And then the other disciples who were watching the drama after they rose from their sleep. Praise God. Now, the disciples said, let us build three tabernacles. One for you, Jesus, another one for Moses, another one for Elijah. For us, we shall just be here and watch. And then a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, listen to him. I am sure the disciples wanted to talk with Moses and Elijah because they had been used to talking with the Lord Jesus Christ. But Elijah and Moses were outside of their realm. You are not allowed to talk to people who have passed away to glory. Only Jesus is allowed to talk with them because he was actually talking with them. So the heavenly father told them, this is my son. Listen to him. Leave the other ones. They're not in your realm. Are you getting it? Praise God. Now, God gave me the message. At the mountain, what did you see? So for me, I told them when I was at the mountain, I saw the Jaguar car, which I had never seen in my life. And they laughed at me thinking I'm very carnal. <laughs> Praise God. Then I said, what did you see? Possibly, the sisters of the bride must have been focusing their attention on their sister, the bride. Are you getting me? Maybe they never even looked at what the bridegroom was wearing because they were attentive to their sister. What did you see? Maybe the family in the church were looking at their pastor now marrying again and organizing this wedding. What did you see? What you see depends on what is important in your heart. What you see depends on, the, on what is taking your attention. Praise God. So I told them, 
when you put anything in the middle of the circle as the center and all the others outside, if it is not Jesus you have put in the center, all the others will begin fighting against one another. Maybe let me ask you the question. You have a circle and you have a center and you have things you put in the circle on the circumference. Suppose you put the late wife who has passed away in the center of that circle. Is there any room for the new bride? No. Are you getting it? Suppose you put the Jaguar car in the center like I did. <laughs> and you put all the others on the circumference, including Jesus on the circumference. All of them will begin battling against each other. I think you get what I'm talking about. But when you put Jesus in the center, the Jaguar has its place. The new bride has her place. The late bride has her place. And Jesus can talk to her. Everything now falls in the right place. And there is peace. But immediately you put any of them in the center. They begin battling. I think you've got it. Now when I shared the word. I discovered there was a lot of emotion in the church. I told them brethren. Our late sister, she was called Chido. She has gone to be with the Lord. And the Lord is the only one allowed to talk with her. Because she's now outside of our realm. Let us allow her to receive her prize. And to receive all the blessing of God which she has labored for in life. We are not allowed to talk to her. But when we put the Lord Jesus Christ in the center... She has her place in the circle. The jaguar has its place. The new bride has her place. Our pastor has his place. And everything is in peace. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Then I told them that the last three years, the church has gone through trauma like an earthquake. When you have a laboratory with many instruments and an earthquake takes place those instruments cannot be used again until they are recalibrated and the church has gone through this trauma we are like those instruments which have gone through an earthquake and the instruments are reading wrong amen you think so and so is your enemy, but it's because your instrument is reading wrong. You think so and so is no longer my friend because we have quarreled these last three years, but it's because your instrument is reading wrong. Let us come to the altar of the Lord for a healing and recalibration of our instruments that the church might enter a new phase of healing as we now refocus on the Lord Jesus Christ as the center of this circle. Let me tell you, the whole church came forward. People began weeping. The children of the pastor, there are three of them, two girls and a boy. The boy is the youngest. They were weeping. Everybody was weeping in the church. 
I asked my wife, do you think we should call the family to pray for them, the children? Because the father was not around, he was on honeymoon. And so she called the eldest of the girls and asked, should we pray for you? And they said yes. So we brought them to the platform and we got some few families to surround them and we pray for them. I was holding a boy in my chest here, he's called Joshua. And we, they wept and wept and wept. Afterwards, we felt like there had been a washing in the whole church. Not only this family, but the whole church. So we realized the time for going to the, air, <laughs> to the airport was almost now. We went out for a short time, talked with a few people, and the children came to see us just before we left. And they told us we are ready to face new life with Jesus at the center. Praise the name of the Lord. After that, they drove us to the airport. I asked my wife, you know, we had been struggling to buy the extra ticket for her to go. She said, look, we've spent too much money. We can't buy another ticket. And I had used my money to get away of buying the extra ticket. I asked her, do you think it was worthwhile buying all these tickets? She said, please forget about the money for the tickets. This was God's appointment for us in Harare. So on the 1st of September, we flew back into Kampala. That month, the whole family, we had used the eight, eight air tickets between us. The air ticket to Rwanda was paid for by the conference. The air ticket to Kenya was also paid for by the conference. My return air ticket to Harare was also paid for by the conference in Harare. All the other tickets, we had covered them ourselves as family. Praise the name of the Lord. How do you cover eight air tickets in one month? And all of those journeys and all of those appointments, so is me, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. May the Lord project you to another level of fruitfulness. Where anybody who tries to copy what you're doing will just be wasting his time. Because it is not by power, nor by might, but by the spirit of the living God. Amen. Let us stand up. I have overstretched a bit with the time, but there is that sense in my heart, you know, that sense of fulfillment. I've given you everything. <laughs> I've given you everything. I believe God can raise you to another level of fruitfulness. A level where, you see, some of you may be saying this is a mosaic. Maybe he has experience, he has, you know, opportunities, he has openings in life and so on. All these people were talking about in the Bible, they were youths. And most of you are older than them. Joseph, when he began to be so fruitful, he was only 17. He was a teenager. Then he made 20. And it was, when he was 30, he became governor of Egypt. A number of you are older than that. Are you getting me? So I'm not talking about something beyond the clouds. I'm talking about something you can actually relate to. Samuel, God began to use him when he was young. David 
killed a lion and a bear when he was still a teenager. And he killed Goliath when he was still a youth. Are you getting what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about things which are theoretical. I've given you my own testimonies, and it's because we had no time. I could give you, since January this year, since January this year, up until now, I was going through the first six months. The first six months have been something else. I have had missions in Cape Town, missions in Botswana. I just came back from Botswana. I was in Botswana for about 10 days. Um, that's uh, last week. Then I returned on Thursday and then traveled back to Kenya for mission over the weekend and just came back in time to start this week and so on. God can work out things in your life on an extraordinary level. Praise the name of the Lord. I've had missions in Rwanda, missions in Burundi this year already. I've had missions in all kinds of places. And here in Uganda, I've been to so many places this year alone, Mbale, Tororo, Jinja, Lugazi, I've been to Ibanda and so on. Many places. God leading. And I cannot explain how all of that has been achieved. Except not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. When you bear fruit, you bring glory to God. Lord God, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters. These youths, they are at the age where David was. When he killed Goliath, when he killed the lion and the bear, when he was so fruitful in the kingdom of Israel, they are at the age where Joseph was, when all of this fruitfulness was manifesting in his life. So Lord, I pray that you may take them into the realm of what I've called fruitfulness level two. Lord, that they will learn to plug into your word and to plug into the Holy Spirit, that they may begin bearing fruit on another level. Let this period of inspiration conference be a period of personal inspiration for each one of them. Teach them how to wake up in the middle of the night to pray. Teach them how to go into the word and receive that nourishment with a need for fruitfulness. Teach them how to get these things operative into their lives which they have only been reading about and admiring in these characters of the Bible. Lord, I pray that you may harvest a crop of Josephs out of this company. May you harvest a crop of Davids out of this group. Lord, I pray that as a result of this inspired conference, there will come inspiration for a lot of fruitfulness, which will bring glory to your name and which will satisfy your heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.